Welcome to Sports and Jesus, episode three, or episode six, episode third, third episode on iTunes, so the title of it will be episode three. My name is David Ferris. I'm here in the studio with Joy Turner, who has the spiritual gift of encouragement. Also in the studio with Garrett Ketching, who has the spiritual gift of guitar playing and mic stand setup. I also have the spiritual gift of being able to eat turkey and not get sleepy <laughs> and prophecy. Joy, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Garrett, you good? I'm good. It's very solemn. I don't know if he's good. I'm good. I do not have the ability to eat and not get sleepy. Turkey. Eat turkey. Just turkey. <clears throat> what about salmon? Just turkey. Just turkey. That's all Garrett, your real name? You don't get to choose your gifts, guys. You don't get to choose your gifts. That's not what I was told. Um, well, I chose mine. <laughs> nobody asked, and I'm good. I'm good. So um, just a few housekeeping things before we get rolling today. Um, so we usually say this at the end of the podcast, but we realize that there's quite a few people that don't listen to it all the way to the very, very end, which you should, because that's sometimes when the best content is. But um, we are on multiple social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram. Go give us a follow, please. You can also find us on Twitter. Is it sports and underscore Jesus? Is that right? Wait, what'd you say? Tw- <laughs> Twitter. Is it sports and underscore Jesus? Uh... I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, you can also look us up, Sports and Jesus, on Facebook. Give us a like there. Um, we could really, Nailed it. yeah, we could really use some help there. Go follow us, please, and invite others to follow. That would be a big, huge help. Um, also, help. We could use your help, listeners, to help spread the word of Sports and Jesus. That's, that's going to be the way. The way that we have grown and the way that we're going to continue to grow is going to be mostly through through word of mouth. So if you can help us out there, if you can help us out um, by just telling people about us, if you like it, if you're a constant listener, just um, please help spread the word about sports. And Jesus also go on whatever whatever way that you're listening to this, whether it be Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes, go give us a five-star review, please. Um, only, only review if it's five stars, please. If you hate it, then why are you listening to it? Yeah, don't, still, don't say anything. Yeah, come on. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, please go give us a five star review. That would be that would be awesome. Also, get your brother and sister and friends to give us five star reviews. Thank you to everyone that's given us reviews and that has downloaded and has liked and followed us on on the social media. We always do a pregame show on Instagram Live and Twitter Live. Where as we're just talking through some of our pregame stuff and goofing off and getting everything plugged in, um, we will go live and you'll get to kind of see behind the curtain. So also, speaking of letting you see behind the curtain, literally, there's a curtain. Yeah, we have a curtain in here, and we're you're going to be behind it with us, or are we in front of it or behind it? Which way? How can you tell which way a curtain's facing? I think Depends I look on at which it. way you're looking at it. <laughs> That's true, because that's technically behind. I would the say we're in front us. of it because the curtain holder. Okay, is well, both of both of you guys are pointing, and nobody can see. You. Okay, so the curtain holder 
is facing us. Uh, how do you know which way the curtain? Okay. Anyway, it is facing um, us. So, <laughs> letting you behind the curtain, we've gotten some good feedback from some listeners, and I think probably the best, some of the best feedback we've gotten is that sometimes you can't tell who's talking. So in this episode, it's going to be kind of awkward sometimes, but we're going to try to let you know who's talking. Again, this is David talking right now. So when Garrett says something, we'll try to mention his name. And everybody knows when it's Joyce talking, so you can just feel it. Do you know when it's me talking? I can disguise my voice. All right. Um, also, Joy, you might want to get a little closer to the microphone when you speak, especially <laughs> if you speak softly in a different voice like that. So, also, we have uh, we have a, a couple of downloads in the great country of Japan. I know we said this last episode, but we won't again. If you are currently in Japan listening to us, please contact us. We want to be your friend. We want you to get on the show somehow. We'll figure out a way. Um, contact us at sportsandjesus at gmail.com or any other way you can figure out. You can send us a message on Facebook. Um, so, some exciting news. Um, everybody knows it. it's the month of February right now. So next, y'all know what month is after February? Do y'all know? March. March, yes, yeah. March. So some kind of tournament in March? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, mas- we, the Masters? That, oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, the Masters. In, no, um, March Madness is coming up. The NCAA College Basketball Tournament will be coming up in March. And um, we've got some exciting news that I think all of y'all will enjoy to see us, one of us, go through this. Um, we're going to fill out brackets when March Madness comes up. Everybody that's affiliated with Sports and Jesus, everyone that you've heard on this show or everyone that's been kind of behind the scenes on this show, will fill out a bracket. And the loser, the person that comes in last that has the lowest percentage, has a punishment that they've got to go through. And we're really excited to announce this. But that punishment is that the loser of of the bracket, the person who has the worst bracket, will have to sit in a Waffle House for eight hours. Eight hours straight. Full work day. In a Waffle House. However, for every full waffle that they order and eat, they take 30 minutes off of those eight hours. Whoever that person is will also be checking in Every 30 minutes on Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter Live just to give everybody an update on how they're doing in the Waffle House. And let's be honest, they're probably going to see some crazy things being spending that much time in a Waffle House. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Man, God, those we waffles could, are good, though. We could do a whole podcast on things you've seen in the Waffle House. I want a waffle now. I do. Oh, chocolate chip waffle. <laughs> Um, so hot syrup. They have good coffee there too. Uh, that they do. Um, all right, let's move into some sports talk. Uh, got some exciting news. Probably most of you have heard this already, but uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before they announced that the XFL will be back. Uh, I don't know. The XFL happened for for most of us. I think we're all in our in our twenties, right? Garrett, you're forty, right? Is that right? Forty five. 45? Yeah, 45. Now, Garrett, no, okay, he's not really 45. How old are you? 26. 26, okay, you're not that much younger than us. But anyway, um, so the XFL was when we were all children the first time, 
and uh, it lasted one year. Is that right? I think it was one season. Yeah, it was just it was just one season. Yeah, one season. Um, really, I think the reason that it didn't make it was just because the football just wasn't very good. I think that, that's kind of the main reason. I will say they had a lot of production issues. Uh, like, I think it was the very first game <clears throat> that was ever televised. The generators that they brought in to actually provide power for the for the uh, <clears throat> cameras, lights, all that stuff, everything to produce the actual tele televised game. Somebody didn't put gasoline in the generators, and they ran out, and like it just shut off. And uh, <laughs> there were several instances like that that just like crushed any chance they had. I think they focused too much on trying to be more violent and more extravagant than the NFL, and they didn't focus as much on the football aspect of it. Yeah, and another thing is I think they focused too much on um, the wrestling world, like the interviews, the way they did on Vince McMahon, all the little segments that he did, the fighting. Like, um, there were, like, locker room promos and stuff, and it was just – if he really wants to compete with NFL, it's going to have to be serious. It can't be a – Football's a side note, and we're going to make jokes the rest of the time. It's going to have to be a very serious deal. Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of the way he wants to go with it is more more serious, less less pro wrestling, I guess. But uh, to say all that, we were kind of talking before the show and even talking this, this week leading up to it. So in order for the XFL to make it, I mean, they've got to sell tickets. They've got to sell tickets. They've got to get people to watch it on TV so we were just thinking through, you know, what are some quarterbacks that there are going to be eight XFL teams this first season, and we were thinking, what are some quarterbacks that XFL teams could sign that could put people in the seats, that could make people watch? Like, what are what are some quarterbacks that are not currently NFL quarterbacks that would make you turn the TV on, go to that channel, and see this guy play? I, I think we came up with. For sure, I think we had four. I think four for sure. Like this guy, I mean, this these guys will probably sell sell out stadiums, especially especially starting off. And I think we had we had two or three more. Um, would one of y'all like to mention who? Of course, the first one was. I was thinking Chad Kelly. All right, <laughs> Chad <laughs> Kelly was definitely not the first one. <laughs> Throwing a free loop there. Yeah, yeah. But you've got the obvious ones. So you're throwing me a Fruit Loop? (laughs) Do you like Fruit Loops? I love Fruit Loops. Now I want waffles and Fruit Loops. (laughs) Um, Well, you've got the obvious ones that, you know, you're going to go. And I think Chad Kelly is kind of being. This is Joy speaking, by the way. I think Chad Kelly is kind of being overlooked because he's still kind of fresh in the NFL, but he hadn't really got much playing time. So I think Chad Kelly, with just his attitude, the way he was at Ole Miss, I think he'd be great fit. Yeah, and let's be honest, Joy is just saying that to try to make up for that one episode where we spent half the time making fun of uh, black bears and land sharks. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think who what I was looking for there was of course Johnny Football. I think uh Johnny Football would definitely like I if Johnny Football is playing a game whether it's Canadian Football League or the XFL, like I'm going to watch that. It's kind of like the Ball Brothers playing in Lithuania. Like I said Lithuania really well that time. Y'all should be proud of me. 
Don't say it again. Yeah. That was Lithuania. Lithuania. And um, so that's, that's something you want to watch. Garrett, what, what are some other ones you think that would put, put people um, in the seats? Um, and also, Garrett, we're going to start charging you money every time you cough into the microphone. Sorry about that. I will, um, due to financial necessities, I will have to stop. <laughs> um, the first one that came to my mind was Manziel, and then immediately was who would be the one to go across the field from, and mine was immediately Tebow. I think if you put Tebow and Manziel, I think ratings would go through the roof for that one. Ratings would go through the roof. Um, you might want to duck, no telling where the balls are going to be thrown at. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny because like they're they're like opposites, like and <laughs> yeah, like personality wise, like they're yeah. the exact opposite. Opposite. And even like part of the reason they're both not in the league is because they're well, Tebow is just because. Um, I think also you got to throw. I think probably who I would be excited to watch, who's definitely a better quarterback, both of them put together, would be Colin Kaepernick. That's that's of course saying that he doesn't get picked up by a team next year. Which honestly, I think it's crazy that he went picked up by a team this year. But anyways, I, I think you got Kaepernick. Um, I think another one that I don't know if he's on a team right now, but you got RG three. Um, that that would be exciting. I think he is on a team right now, but I don't think he ever gets to see the field. I think he'd leave pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. Especially we don't know what kind of money the XFL is going to be able to play, pay, pay players, not play pairs, play pairs. That's that's exciting. That's an exciting league. That's what I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> pairs playing each other. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think also Garrett mentioned uh, Vince Young. I don't know how what kind of shape Vince Young is in at the moment, but um, I just I know he wanted to make a comeback in the NFL and he wasn't able to do it. I think also uh, what, what was that quarterback that played LSU? That was the number one draft pick, Jamarcus Jam- Russell. Yes. Jamarcus Russell. Yes, yeah. I saw something where he's trying to kind of make a comeback too. He'd gotten up to like three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. And then I think the the last one that we thought of last week when talking about it is probably that would sell more tickets than all of these guys combined would be Jared Lorenzen, the hefty lefty. The swamp monster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everybody, stop this podcast right now. If you're driving, pull over to the side of the road because you don't need to have your phone out while you're driving. And Google image search. Jared Lorenzen, arena football. It's a big dude. Yeah. That's massive. <laughs> I mean, he's like... <laughs> like the Zamboni comes in and he dwarfs it. <laughs> the Zamboni? Wait, that's arena football, not ice, ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> he, does what? he play hockey, too? Yeah, Why is the Zamboni coming in on the football? <laughs> okay. All right. Apparently, according to Garrett, arena football is played on ice. I would watch that. I would watch that, <laughs> especially if Jared Lorenzen was, yeah. the, was the quarterback. <laughs> All right. You'd have well, to completely change the rules because yeah. you could just go sliding across the ice and the football lays in your hands. Like, is it as soon as your knee touches or is it where you stop sliding? Like, how, how does this... <laughs> Guys, this is exciting. 
We just invented a new sport. You heard it first on Sports and Jesus. That's <laughs> that officially counts as a copyright, correct? Can we talk about players other than quarterbacks? Uh, no. Um, so moving on to the next topic, <laughs> what, what you got? I would say the one who's the most arrogant and always thinks he can continue to play is T.O. Terrell Owens always thinks he could definitely continue thinks he to could play. definitely come back. I would say Trent Richardson. I mean, I, I still I just don't know what happened to him in the NFL because he was I mean a sure he wasn't fire. any good. He was averaging like one point three yards of rush. And then my last one. Which I think this one would bring in a lot of ratings. I don't know if it'd happen, but I still think he's in good enough shape. Would be the nineteen eighty Heisman Trophy winner, Herschel Walker. Could does he even know how to ice skate? <laughs> I'm sorry. If y'all can see Garrett's face. <laughs> oh god. All right. Um so that was fun. Um, so if you got any other suggestions, feel free to to leave us comments on any social media. Any any guys that I feel like there's just somebody we're missing. That was just a great popular college football quarterback that for some reason or another is not in the NFL right now. But um so while while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I think now would be a good time just to just to give our thoughts on who uh we, we've been talking a lot about the NFL draft. I I really love the NFL draft. I love um ever since I can remember I, I used to get uh, the NFL draft magazines, and I'd write in them who I thought was going to be a bust and who I thought was going to have great careers, and I was horrible at it. Um, but so this is supposed to be kind of like the year of the quarterback. There's some big-time quarterback prospects this year, and I just want to just quickly um, and maybe give give reasons why of who do we think is going to be the best quarterback prospects, and then we'll keep tabs and see who is um, the most – Accurate, most writer, who is the writerist, the goodest, gooder, who's gooder at it. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, that's what we're going to do right now. Um, Joy, who, and this this will be Joy speaking. Joy, who do, you, who do you think is the best quarterback in this year's draft? This is Joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with someone that I don't think every anyone else has picked out, but I'm going Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma well, State. Of course, no one else has picked out because you're the first one to go. I mean, he had, we'll be like Garrett here. I'm throwing up stats. Y'all ready? Statting it. 4,553 yards with 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 65% completion rate. He also has the height to be a good NFL quarterback. He's about 6'5", 230 pounds. That dude's huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely prototypical NFL quarterback height. Yeah, who um, doesn't have that height? Baker Mayfield. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, that's my pick is Baker Mayfield. I just think just from a throwing the ball, I mean, just from, like, can throw the ball, can make every throw, and also just makes good decisions, um, seems to really know the game plan each week, seems to really take pride in um, what he does and how he does it. I also, li- I like, I know this is, Kim, for some people, this is a knock on him, and you'd probably be surprised to hear me say this, but I like his competitiveness. I don't always <laughs> like the way it expresses itself. itself out. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I like his competitiveness. I, I like some of the trash talk. Um, so, some stats on Baker May- Mayfield. This is, uh, you're welcome. This is this is this is Joy's research. This is what Joy thinks about him. 
not the greatest in size, but he's incredible. But he's a jerk. Um, 70.5% completion in, uh, is that 27 games? You just have in 27. 4,627 yards, 7,000 more than last. What? Your stats aren't any good. Um, he 7, had negative 3,000 yards the year before. Yeah. 7,000 more yards than he had the previous season. No, that's not right. How are you going to have more than 7,000 yards in a season? And how is 4,627, 7,000 more yards than – He threw right, a so, bunch of picks. All right, well, we'll let stats and Garrett uh, be, think, uh, <laughs> stay with the stats. I think I added a zero. Your privileges are gone. <laughs> 700 probably is what you meant to say. 700 yeah. more yards than last season. Nope, 7,000. Um, but Baker Mayfield, I mean, just he kind of reminds me of like a add a competitiveness to it. Or, well, he's competitive too. Add a cockiness to it. But like kind of like Drew Brees, just the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think, however, I-, I think Baker Mayfield, and it probably is going to work out for him like this. Like he'd be good to go middle of the first round, get on a team where he's not. He's not seen as the like the answer. He's seen, he can maybe sit sit behind or not be necessarily expected just to come in and be the franchise, but has some some talent around him. Um, Garrett, who who do you got? Who do you think is going to be the best quarterback in this draft? This is Garrett speaking, by the way. Hmm. I think the best potential. It's it's close. It's really it's really close for me. I'm gonna go with Darnold as the safe pick. If I had to go with who do I think has, there's just something about Baker Mayfield. He just has that it factor. Something about him. He can make plays. Um, That that I mean Johnny Football it factor. Getting out of the pocket, extending the play, um, and he's like I mean he's accurate. I mean, it's not like he's he not like Manziel, where he yeah. would just throw it fifty-five yards up in the middle of the sky, and somebody have to come down and catch it. Like, I yeah. mean, he's accurate. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. Um, I, I honestly like, I don't get the whole. I don't, I don't understand. Like, I mean, S- S- Sam Darnold and um, Josh, like they are prototypical, and even Josh Allen. But I mean, you, you just. I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're not putting up big numbers in college, like you're expecting to do it at the next level. Like I don't. I'm just like I, you're just drafting those guys. You're spending that kind of draft pick on potentially down the road. This might this guy might be. I'm just getting tired of all these savior quarterbacks every single year coming out of the draft that are praised for being the next the next great guy, and they just don't do nothing. Yeah. There's been some good ones though recently. I mean, from Carson Wentz to Dak to, um, but Dak was Dak really like praised as he was going no, to be? No, he wasn't. He would, but I mean, he he and showed did, up when it counted. Dak got set up in a good situation, but um, yeah. So so that that's kind of just our opinion on, and we'll probably talk through in the future as we get close to the draft and after NFL season's over. Um, talk through just some different positions and who we think. Are some other positions that um, are might be some superstars in the NFL, but uh, so we'll move on to to our next topic. Unless any of y'all have something to add to that, no. But I've got I've got something just kind of off the wall that we hadn't talked about yet. You ready? 
I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I don't know what this is, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Right. What is it? So, what is it? Is it what I think it is? I'm excited. What Jose Marino of Manchester United. Okay, no, all right, no, okay, no <laughs> longer right. excited. Uh, yeah, we're not talking soccer. I'm sorry. Your um, mic privileges are gone. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, Joy, go in the penalty box. You were trusted um, with the mic, and you have lost yeah. that privilege. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking soccer. All right, now, I've got a question for you, okay? Now, by the way, to all our soccer fans, um, when the World Cup comes up, we will talk a little bit of soccer. Um, and maybe when the oh when the Olympics happen, but until then we're probably not gonna talk much soccer. Maybe we might one day. I'm sorry. I just feel like I made every soccer fan that listens to us really mad. Okay, Joy, you can talk about soccer. <laughs> no, we're kind of time. Okay, all right. Maybe next time. Tight. All right. There's too much to talk about. That's the reason why. It's not because we hate soccer or anything. Um, so the Yankees. New York Yankees picked up John Carlos Stanton this year. So you've got John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge in the same lineup. Should we go ahead and give them the World Series? Yep. All right. Um, so Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell. Russell. We, I, you try to say his name fast. Say, say his name three times fast. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Close. If you would have had to say it, it sounds four like times an operator fast, there. you would have had to say it four times fast. You would have lost it. Russell Westbrook shoved a fan. If you missed it, uh, go YouTube that. It's, I think it's it's at the end of the game, right? They they lose. He loses. They're in Denver. A Nuggets fan comes off the sideline, gets in his face, kind of mocking him, and even if I remember right, kind of almost like rears back. And like he's going to hit him, and Russell just kind of shoves him. So, the question I want to ask is, was did Russell Westbrook do anything wrong? What do you think, Garrett? If he felt threatened, no. I would say this: they've got to do something about fans. They like <clears throat> fans antagonizing and like they start a bunch of stuff with a lot of these players and that's why you see them get into it is because fans they think just because they're like court side that they can say whatever they want to which in a sense like i don't agree that hey don't go after a fan i don't think that's the right way to handle it but at the same time it's kind of like if a fan's going to come on the court like you kind of got to make sure you're protecting yourself too yeah, I agree. Especially in basketball, I think you get it more in basketball than any other sport because you do have fans that are right there on the same floor as the athletes. I mean, we all remember what happened the the malice in the palace the when the when the Indiana Pacers went fighting Detroit Pistons through a fan. beer that hit Ron Artest yeah. in the face while he was laying yeah, down. That was that. that was crazy. But um, yeah, I think I don't know what to do. <clears throat> about that in basketball, but I mean, I think you can't just have fans. I mean, I think that fan shouldn't be allowed to ever go to an NBA game again. Like, you can't approach. I mean, there's, there's, there are people too. Like, you can't just, you can't, you can't do that. I just wonder how he even, like, is there no security at all for those reasons? Like, where are they at? I mean, there's not security between. I mean, if NBA game, I went to an NBA game a couple weeks ago. Hashtag Grind City, um, and I mean those the people that are sitting courtside. I mean, you're in you're a chair, 
out of bounds in the court. Like, I mean, you're right. Like, there's no, there's no fence in between you. There's no wall in between you. There's no security in between you. I mean, technically, you could just get up at any time. And I, I know usually that doesn't happen because you've paid so much money for those seats that you don't want to mess it up. But, I mean, there's there's nothing. There's no separation there. I mean, we all know, especially the NBA. I mean, we all remember. I say we all. Um, this happened before we were all born, but <laughs> we've all seen the thirty for thirty of Spike Lee and Reggie Miller, and you know Spike Lee has the courtside seat and he's taunting Reggie Miller, and Reggie Miller would make shots and then turn around and look at Spike Lee, and that's one of my favorite thirty. For Which 30s. I'm fine with that, but like I don't think Spike ever approached him on yeah. the court though. That yeah. was, and it's like you, like you brought up a good point. You would think we would have learned from what happened with the Indiana Pacers that like Madison we may need somebody to kind of dictate what all goes on here between yeah. players and fans. Yeah. There's a, a little side story. It's just kind of – it has to do with it, but I was at a Cleveland Cavaliers-New York Knicks game in New York, in Madison Square Garden, and Spike Lee, who I guess for God, who knows how long, has had courtside tickets to all the Knicks home games. And LeBron actually put up 50 points in the game because Spike Lee was taunting him and was – taunting him and LeBron looked at him and said 50 and LeBron put up 50 points and then he went and sat on the bench for the rest of the game <laughs> that's awesome um so we're kind of running out out of time here so, so I want to move on to our, our next topic and uh got some exciting news for our sports and Jesus listeners we actually have a transitional somewhat Jesus somewhat sports story all in one is exciting this is exciting this is exciting um so as of this recording the super bowl is about an hour from starting so we don't know who's going to win the super bowl and i'm not going to make any predictions this time like i did with the national championship game because that came back to punch me right in the face thank you tua we have we have good news though tom brady won the nfl mvp and they statistically almost always lose the Super Bowl after they win the MVP. So I hate Tom Brady. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> one cool thing that that I've found is with the Philadelphia Eagles who are playing the Super Bowl tonight against the new the New England Satan Dev uh Patriots and um Redcoats. Redcoats, yeah. And uh <laughs> Uh, historical joke. And so one thing, one marker of the Philadelphia Eagles this year has been they've had quite a few of their players and even some of their star players have been men of strong faith. Um, it's, there's And that have no problem hiding it from Carson Wentz to also the backup quarterback that started tonight, Nick Foles, to Malcolm Jenkins, to the tight end, Zach Ertz. Um, they have some very strong, outspoken Christians that play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And these guys are part of a Bible study together. And apparently this Bible study has really, or through this Bible study, God has really affected their lives a lot. And you heard it all over the place at Media Day this week. I mean, there were so many Eagles players talking about God and talking about faith, talking about the gospel and talking about 
um, the impact that God's Word has had in their lives this year. And I think you can kind of see that in the way they play together. I, I, I thought one one thing that was really cool was it, Nick Foles said that he started during the offseason last year, started taking seminary classes, that he has a desire to be a youth pastor when he retires. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know, you know where these guys are theologically, but I think if you – if you're the kind of person where you whatever um, platform God gives you, you use that to spread His name and to spread His gospel. Like I can, I can jump on board with that. Oh yeah, it's great to see, you. and it's great too when you know you're talking that and that you show it outward, and you're not getting ejected from games. And throwing stuff at the referees All and right. fans. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> that was. We're Joy still looking for proof him. that he hates his family. <laughs> yeah. If anybody can find proof we hate that he hates his family, please let us know. They're talking about Stephen Curry. So, so basically, and of course, all the New England Patriots worship Satan, and uh, so basically, this isn't just a Super Bowl of. Two teams. Is that another word for Tom Brady? <laughs> of two teams uh, against each other, but it's really a Super Bowl of good versus evil. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. <laughs> so, if you're a Christian, if you're a real Christian, pull for the Eagles. <laughs> you better be pulling for the Eagles. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, drop that beat and then talk about our, our theological topic for the, for the day. Everything about God to me is mind-blowing. I'm on that theology to keep my mind going. Shade tree theologian, I ain't wear suits. Sporting tattoos while I'm cruising through the institutes. John Calvin, that's moving. You might even catch me reading Wayne Grudem. Sound doctrine, that's what it's gotta be. Like that white cleft dictionary of theology. But nothing trumps the word, call it the Holy Bible. It is central and necessary for our survival. Does not have a rival, moving is not idol. If you preach it, then you liable to have revival. And that's what we need in our local churches. It's either dry as a bone or something like a circus. But it has been purchased so we can commandeer it. Lord Jesus, revive us with your Holy Spirit. So our Jesus topic of the day is, uh, well, before I say that, we're, we're thinking about the next three weeks. I'm really excited about this. We're going to start kind of a little mini-series thing here just called What Should Your Sundays Look Like? And by we mean what should – I didn't say that right, did I? What we mean when we say what should your Sundays look like is we just mean like how can you – what do we think are the best ways to glorify God with your Sunday morning service? Okay, that's what I mean. So today we're going to talk about expositional preaching. Um, I think our next episode, we're going to talk some about just the Sunday morning service as a whole and what that looks like. And then really excited, hopefully, that that third episode, we're going to bring um, a well-experienced, well-trained worship leader in here that we're going to um, give him some questions, and he's going to answer just things like, how do you pick songs? 
what is your goal in, in the worship service? What do you think is a successful worship service? So really, really excited about that. Uh, you guys, you really want to hear what this guy has to say. Um, yeah, I think it'd be cool, too, if you guys want to shoot us some questions to ask him on yeah. social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Like, do you have to have a beard to be a good worship leader? You know, things like that. <laughs> so, today, talking about expositional preaching. So, what is expositional preaching? Well, first of all, before I get to that question, that's our second question. First question is, why do we preach? Why preaching? Why do we have to do preaching on a Sunday morning? Not have to, but why do we do preaching on a Sunday morning? Joy, if you want to look up that Romans verse there, uh, it's, it's Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, which kind of, I mean, it just, just explains why we preach. It says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Yes, so we preach because in order for someone to be converted, in order for someone to, for God to call someone, they must hear the gospel. So that's why we preach. Uh, we think, we firmly believe that, that the preaching and the preaching of the word of God, because the word of God is, and the preaching of the gospel, because the gospel is, is central to, to what we do. That's why we are, we are Protestants. That's why as Protestants, our pulpit is typically in the middle of the stage is because we think the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God is that important. In non-Protestant churches, usually the pulpit is to the side of the stage because the because communion is central to what they do. So, And that's why it's in the center. So that's why in, in the Reformation, that's why they started to move the pulpit to the center of the stage. But expositional preaching, what is expositional preaching? Just off the top of your head, Joy, Garrett, what's what do you how would you define expositional preaching? I think I'd look at expositional preaching. <laughs> what? <laughs> expositional preaching as you're explaining or expounding on this set of verses. Would you like to add anything to that, Garrett? I would say <clears throat> It's the difference. All right, that's a, that's a fine right there. <laughs> I would say it's the difference between building your message around a topic and finding verses to support your maybe opinion on that topic versus building your message around what the actual text is saying. And I think it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to be misled if you're actually reading the text in the context in which it's presented. Yes. So to kind of put those definitions together, what we mean when we say expositional preaching is typically the majority of what comes from the pulpit at a church on Sunday mornings is a verse-by-verse explaining of the text. Usually what that looks like is the pastor will take a book of the Bible and we'll start chapter 1, verse 1, and go from there and work his way through the book of Romans or through the book of Matthew or through, at, at our church right now, we're, we're walking our way through the book of Mark and telling the story of Jesus. That's expositional preaching um, as kind of just a, a general term. Good expositional preaching is, like Joy said, where 
the kind of the the what those verses that you're preaching on, what it's saying is what the sermon is saying. The main point of the text that you have is also the main point of the sermon that is being preached. So, and this is, as Garrett was pointing out, this is in direct contrast to what we would call topical preaching, which is where you take a topic and that's, you kind of design the main point, the main idea, and then you find verses to support what you're trying to say about that topic. Say you want to preach a sermon on faith. So, you know, this is one point A about faith, and here's some verses to back this up. This is point two about faith. Here's some verses to back this up. And we are the firm belief that the majority of what you should hear on Sunday mornings should be expositional instead of topical. So, however, we think there is a place for topical preaching. You can preach topically well. There are some times where you need to preach topically. Like there are some things that have happened in our country country recently where I know there are a lot of pastors that have preached on topics like race and topics like Christian love and topics like that. And that's that's good and that's great. But the majority of what you should hear should be expositional. Um, and why why do we believe this? Why do we think expositional is the most God glorifying way to preach? First of all, we think expositional follows the what we call the divine logic. So the Holy Spirit inspired the authors of Scripture to write their letters and write their books in a certain order. The best example of this is the book of Romans. Like what you get in Romans 9 is built upon what you read in Romans 1, 2, 3, 4. Like it, Paul is building up for an, to try to make different points in the book of Romans. And when you preach expositionally through the book of Romans, or when you listen to a sermon that preaches, that starts in Romans chapter 1 and goes all the way through Romans, you see that, and it's beautiful, and it's 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 awesome. So that, that's the first reason we think expositional preaching is the most God-glorifying way to preach. The second reason we believe this is that the preacher can't avoid difficult topics that are in the Bible. Um, often, if a pastor, if he preached topically, if he preaches topically, what you're going to get is his favorite topics. And he's going to avoid topics that aren't his favorite topics or topics that he's not as sure about as other things. But when you preach expositionally, you can't do that. You have to cover the difficult stuff and the easy stuff. You have to cover the stuff that not everybody in the congregation might agree with. You, you have to cover all of that. And um, we think that's good and that's, that's healthy. And then why expositional preaching is we think it's, it, it's easier to do expositional preaching. And I know that sounds lazy, but not, it's just it also it kind of as a built-in safeguard against not sound doctrine, if that makes sense. Like it's a built-in safeguard against preaching something that's yes. wrong. Because if you're preaching the Bible, if you're preaching, you, it's also a built-in safeguard against taking verses out of context 
which is the biggest danger to topical preaching. And, and what you run into the most is a pastor, he uses, he's trying to make this point, and he uses one line from one verse, and then you read that verse, and that's not what that verse is really saying at all. I think one of the best examples of this is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've probably all heard that verse used out of context. If you just take that verse and it makes it sound like, by God's power, you can do whatever you want to do. When really what Paul's saying in the context of Philippians is whether I have you know loss or gain, whether I have much or little, I I can still follow God. I can still... I can get through it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the, it's obvious when you read the whole chapter that what Paul's trying to say is not, the main point isn't I can do all things, it's that Christ gives me strength, is that the source of my strength is Christ. And that's clear when you read all of Philippians chapter 4, but it's unclear when you take that verse out of context. Is there anything uh, you guys would like to add to that so far? Nope. Okay. Garrett looked like he was really going to say something really deep and then just... I'll just, <clears throat> I'll just say this. I was going to um, say one thing that I've learned from expositional preaching by going into texts that I normally wouldn't go into because, okay, even in Bible study, a lot of times it's topical. Like we're yeah. looking for certain topics that we are bothered by that we want to have answers to, and we yeah. go pick and pick and pick and pick. And sometimes that can be dangerous because, you, like you said, you take things out of context. Yeah. But one verse that stuck out to me is that Second um, Timothy three sixteen seventeen. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable mm-hmm. for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And um, I would just say, like, he put it in there the way he did for a reason. Like, there's a reason yeah. why it's put together the way it's put together, all of it, not certain parts that fit what you want to believe. You know, because you can take certain verses and say, hey, I'm going to form my theology off of these, let's mm-hmm. say, 10 verses throughout the whole New Testament versus, okay, well, there's a whole entire chapter that goes directly mm-hmm. against that over here. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to go with that because topically – you pick the verses that you want to fit your belief system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I just, and that's the danger of even topical Bible study, but also topical preaching. Yeah, being led astray falsely. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that that verse in in Second Timothy. I mean, it's and that's what we're trying to do with expositional preaching. What what you do, what your church is doing, what your pastor is doing when he preaches expositionally, what he's saying without actually saying it, and a lot of times they will say it, but what you're saying is the most important thing here is the Word of God. Like, that's what everything is revolving around, is the Word of God. And and so that's why expositional preaching, we feel pretty confidently that it glorifies God the most, and helps us glorify the most God the most. Now, you can do expositional preaching, poorly. Um, I, I think you can have bad, you, you can just explain verses poorly, or, or what I've run into the most when expositional preaching is done poorly is when the pastor is looking for trigger words here, there, and then he goes off and he, like he reads a verse and he finds this this one 
phrase and the verse and builds his sermon around that instead of and misses the whole point of of all the verses. Um, I also think sometimes you can do expositional or topical any kind of reading wrong when or preaching wrong is when you put um, you make us the hero of the story. I think Matt Chandler loves to use the example of, of David where he's heard, you know, sermons preached where they talk about, you know, Dave, you're David and you need to overcome your giants, which is Goliath. You know, you need to overcome the, the things in life that's that's fighting against you and through God's power you can overcome that. And it's, no, you're not David. You don't you can't put yourself as David. Jesus is David. Jesus is the one that defeats our enemies. Jesus defeated our enemies for us. If you want to put yourself in the story, you're one of the Israelites in the back of the line that's cowering in fear from the giant. I mean, that's and, and so you can just because it's expositional doesn't always mean it's best, but expositional creates a lot of safeguards for a lot of that, that when those things happen, it's, pr- it's pretty obvious. So um, the right way to do expositional is gospel-centered. Um, gospel-centered exposition, we believe that Jesus is, and the gospel is the main story in Scripture and that all Scripture either points forward towards him or points back to him. And so gospel-centered Expositional preaching is the preaching that you should look for. Um, if you're a pastor, it's the preaching that should come from your pulpit consistently on Sunday mornings to help you glorify God and lift His word. A sinless sacrifice that God above can truly save Lord Jesus Christ, our only chance, our only hope. Eternal life, God, you drowned it, boy, better grab that rope. Better touch his garment, better grab his robe Confess, repent, believe, before your heart gets cold Don't trust the world's lies, you gotta sever that root Control, alt, delete, reboot, now believe the truth Hit him with the truth, hit him, hit him with the truth Hit him, hit him with the truth